So the big question is this, how do most agents who don't have access to the secrets that the top agents hoard to themselves grow and prosper in today's real estate environment? That is the question. And this podcast will give you the answers. I'm Pat Hyben and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. And now for the review of the day. All right, I got a five-star review from At Home with Chuck. Pat, I find so much value in your podcast and love the variety of topics and types of guests you have. I feel you're helping me build wealth and not just a better real estate business. And for that, I'm very appreciative of your time and efforts to put out such great content. Charles Burgess, Western North Carolina. Thank you, Charles, at home with Chuck. Keep the comments coming, guys. I love them. And remember, I eat feedback for breakfast, so give me a one-star review if you want or a five-star review if you want. I don't care. And the more reviews we get, the better guests we get. So please, subscribe first and then leave us a review or wherever you're listening. Okay, Rockstar Nation, we have a first-time guest, sort of, on the show today. I got Carrie Scholl on the line from Northern Virginia, and she is killing it out there. And uh, her husband, uh, Daniel Lesniak, was on the show, uh, and we had so many questions and uh, such a good positive response from it that I wanted to get Carrie, the other side of the team, on and talk a little bit about, or a lot about, uh, the agent side of the business and how they are doing so well, so fast in this arena and uh, making uh, so much money. And so uh, I'm excited to get her on the show, fresh back from a vacation where her two-year-old just broke his leg, uh, his femur to be exact. And uh, so she took time away from babying him and helping him to uh, come on the show. So anyways, Carrie, welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Oh, thanks so much, Pat. I'm excited to be here. So how's your son? You know, he's doing well. He's such a positive little guy. We're lucky. He's handled it beautifully. That's good. Good to hear. So um, all right, why don't you tell our audience a little bit about yourself so they can get to know you better? Sure. So my background, I started in new home sales and had an opportunity to go into resale, but not in a traditional sense. Um, my mentor had an investor that had $50 million and wanted to buy bulk short sales and foreclosures in 2008 and then flip them. Uh, so I left my very cushy new home sales job to kind of do that deal with her. And three weeks later, that gentleman bought a hotel and the $50 million was gone and I was a resale agent. Oh my God. So you didn't even get to sell one house? Not one house. Oh uh, my God. I woke up and I went, wow, okay. I'm a real estate agent. <laughs> huh? I how to sell some houses. Um, wow. Okay. And, uh, and so take me to today. So Fast forward, I guess my very, in 2008, my experience was that I saw two types of agents in my office. There was the type that tended to have a lot of flexibility and work-life balance and not make a lot of money and not be that successful in real estate. And then there was the type that were super successful but seemed to lack work-life balance. And so 
I was seeking a mentor and trying to figure out, well, what's the right system for myself? And I, I saw myself staying in the business long term and a team made a lot of sense to me from day one. I saw that I had strengths and weaknesses and gaps in my, in my ability to produce that I needed to fill. And in 2010, I started growing the team and we went from 20 transactions um, to doing hundreds of transactions in just a few short years. So we did 365 in 2015 to give you the scale in a five-year period. Wow. That's awesome. I love that. I love that sort of growth. So, you know, one of the things we always ask on the show is what is your ECI, your ego commission income, or some like to call it gross commission income. So what, what did all those commissions add up to last year, would you say? Yeah, and I'm always focused on net, right? So I yeah. think we were probably around 7 million for our GCI. Wow, that's awesome. So then what was your profit margin? Uh, we were around 1.8 net. That's awesome. That's awesome. So that's that's beautiful. Thanks for sharing that. So we're going to find out like if you how you are running uh, this 1.8 net team here. Tell me, I want to focus today on the agent part of it. Like how many people are that are licensed that are like touching the transaction uh, do you have on the team? Sure. So we have about 30 people and it's divided between the support and the agents. Um, and when I say support, we include our inside sales team, which are all licensed in that support category. So that's important to, to think about when you're you're looking at our team. We separate the listing side and the buy side. So our agents are very, very focused and they're trained to do what they do very well, but they're not wearing a ton of different hats. Okay. So, um, yeah. all right. So you got 30 people total and how many would you say are on the buy side? Yeah, good question. So we have about eight on the buy side, nine, and then we have four on the list side. Okay, and then the other 18 people, do they help out the buy side or the list side or, or do they do both? It, de it depends. So we have four inside sales people and their focus is on procuring appointments for both the listing team and the buy side. Okay. And we have listing coordinators and their job is to support the listing team. Okay. And we have a marketing department. We have, uh, Dan and I both have a personal assistant that helps with our client gifting and managing our schedules and emails and that kind of thing. So it's all, everybody has a very specific purpose. Yep. Um, we have a field services manager that does all of our signs. We took that in-house and gets the, if we have brochures at the house, gets that delivered, that kind of thing. Okay. All right. So let's, first of all, I want to talk, let's start with the buy side of things. So you have eight buyer agents, right? Is that, is that what you call them? Yeah. Okay. okay. And so take me through the life of a lead. A lead comes in from wherever, for now we'll just say from wherever, a buyer lead comes in, what happens? So let's imagine it's the perfect day. Okay. Lead comes in and the inside salesperson, they're calling because, of course, they're very motivated and very excited. Uh, the inside sales team responds and answers the phone. And then that inside salesperson, and this is something that's a little bit unique to our team, which I've heard a lot of agents out there struggling with their inside sales teams and not knowing how to make them work. I've heard that they have terrible retention 
they can't keep someone who wants to call around. Um, have you heard similar feedback from agents? Yeah, about absolutely. It? Sure. Yeah, yeah. They're good yeah. at catching, but they're bad at pitching, you know? Yeah. So, and they don't, and then they want to be promoted to somewhere else in the organization. And we've right. had a very different experience with our inside sales team. Um, my biggest weakness when I told you I knew I needed to grow a team was actually follow-up calls. So I think one of the differences as a leader is I respect what they do so much. And I believe it's one of the hardest things to do in the business that agents struggle with. So I really give them a lot of credit for how hard they work and how hard their job is, right? So that's the first thing. Um, and what happened, I had them for about two years and I, I was getting feedback from them like, look, you know, we don't have control over who gets the appointment. That's kind of decided for us. And then our income is, they, it has to close in order for us to get paid, right? So yes, right. we made a change. And instead of having the inside sales team feel like assistance to the outside sales team, I shifted the power dynamic. And I said, you know what? I don't want to have any more input with who, get the, who gets the leads. You guys have been here long enough that you can decide. You can cut anyone off from appointments if they're not updating their notes, if the database isn't the way that you want it. That is totally your decision, and you guys are trusted with that. So now they're honored. They get Christmas gifts. They are celebrated on our team, and everyone understands from the moment they interview for a buyer agent role, do not piss them off. So this is great, right? So you shifted the power dynamic. I love this. So, you know, instead of feeling like a second class employee to a powerful agent, they became powerful and they're actually the boss of the agent without your input. And you're right. I mean, they know who's going to have a better close ratio for them. Yep. They know who's going to do a better job. And are they paid Based on, uh, like, if they give leads to agents that sell more, do they get paid more? Absolutely. Yeah. So they get a bonus based on the closing, and it's a percentage, right? So it's 5%. So if you imagine if in the olden days, I was like, oh, this seems like a great lead for Susie, right? And in that ISA's heart, they are, they are really tapped into what's going on with everybody on the team, right? They're in the office more than I am. So they know, oh no, Susie broke up with her boyfriend last night. Susie's a mess and she's not going to convert the lead. And now here goes a million dollar lead to Susie, right? Yeah. So now they would say, well, wait a minute. They would talk amongst each other. Susie's having a rough day. Let's give her a few days. Let's let her get caught up. Let's let her know when she feels ready. We'd love to book her appointments, but let's make sure she's on top of everything first. So they control everything. I love that. And it's working well. It is working very well. Yep. As a member of the Rockstar Nation, you may have noticed that every guest that comes on the show now is required to bring with them a free tool, an item of utility that real estate agents can use to drastically increase their sales and profits. Some of the things that have been brought have been ebooks, forms, reports, negotiating techniques, hiring guides, postcards, checklists, open house secrets, newsletters that are sent out, sphere of influence forms, referral request forms, and the list goes on and on. If you would like to get this free toolbox full of items of utility, 
Simply go to hybendigital.com backslash toolbox. That's hybendigital.com backslash toolbox or simply text toolbox to 444-999. That's toolbox to 444-999. Okay. I want to say 80% of our closings right now have an inside sales agent on them. Wow. That's brilliant. Okay. So the inside sales agent gets 5%. And then what's the agent get? Uh, it depends. So that's a little bit more complicated because there's different structures that we have on the team. And I think Dan touched on that a little bit. So one of the things that we did not do, which I think we made the right decision, um, we had agents that were on a 50-50 model. Approximately, there's a broker fee that comes off the top. They pay for the inside sales agent if the inside sales agent is on the transaction. Yep. So, so the 5% comes off the top, right? But we did not go back to those people and say, hey, we're changing our comp structure. Here's your new structure. We yeah, can't right model um, with our new compensation model uh, the way it works they have a $50,000 base and then they have a tiered bonus structure so on their first sale they're making 250 on their second sale they're making 500 their third of the month they're making a thousand 2500 5,000 and anything after five is 5,000 right yeah Yep. So it puts them in a position where they can do very very well on our team Um, And then we're looking at increasing that commission a little bit in their second year. We want to have all of our agents making over a hundred thousand. I love that. Okay, cool. All right. And let's talk now about the life cycle of a listing lead. Tell me about that. Sure. To follow up really quickly on that ISA, one thing to note that this is just a difference in philosophy from what I've heard some people say. So I want to make sure I share it. We do not believe in doing a tentative appointment and then confirming with the buyer's agent. The buyer's agents are responsible for having their calendars up to date. And that would be a reason to make one of our ISAs very angry if they book you an appointment and then you say, oh shoot, I have a doctor's appointment. I forgot to put that in. So I've heard some teams that book a tentative appointment and then have the buyer's agent. Oh, I've always hated that. Yeah. Terrible, right? You're just And plus you look bad. You look sloppy, right? Like with the person, oh, we'll call you back or or we'll confirm. You know what I mean? No, no, no. It's like a dentist or a doctor. You want to call in. You want to check it off your list. It's done, you know? Right. Well, and if you don't, we might call behind you and then get it booked before you're able to call back, right? So some of the teams that have a looser system, I feel like they're giving up a lot of business. Absolutely. The other thing I'll say really quickly that I believe has helped our our conversion ratio quite a bit is that we slide dial to confirm because a lot of people will confirm and that gives them an excuse. So I'm sure people out there can relate. If your dentist calls and says, hey, we just wanted to confirm your appointment for 10 o'clock on Tuesday, your week gets busy and then all of a sudden 10 o'clock on Tuesday is not convenient anymore you're a lot more likely to cancel when you're live on the phone with them than when they leave a message and say, hey, we have you for 10 a.m. We'll see you on Tuesday. And then you don't even want to take the time to call back when you're busy because you already know you have to do it. Yeah, so who does that slide dial? Does the ISA do that? They do. Our, our OSAs, so our outside sales team, are not allowed to, to interact with the lead at all until they're sitting in front of them. Okay, guys, listen to that. The agents 
are not allowed to interact with the lead until they're meeting face to face. And that's awesome. I love that. And obviously the appointment all the time. And obviously that's, that's empowering the ISA, you know, it's putting all the impetus on them of whether or not something's going to happen and and this person is going to show up or or all that stuff, right? It's putting all that. Absolutely. So they're in the driver's seat because what I found, uh, again, this is in the olden days when we let the buyer's agent call to confirm, then all of a sudden the, the lead says, well, actually, I'm just looking for a place in Arlington, so send me what you have. Right? They want to just get it taken care of so they don't have to meet. And the buyer's agent, they're by nature very helpful people, and so they get slipped into the conversation, and then they don't, they don't know how to back out of it and get back into the appointment because they've already talked about all of the person's needs. Right. Right? So it's, it's just the personality traits of someone who would be successful in one role are not the same as the person who would be successful in the other role. So you have to keep them in their core strength and really divide those responsibilities. That's awesome. And so let's say the agent, you know, meets the person out there, shows them the house. Uh, is At that point, is it the agent's uh, baby that they carry it from there? Or is the ISA uh, back in the game at that point? Well, the ISA is back in the game. So this is, we call it an autopsy call. Um, So let's imagine that the OSA, let's say it's Susie again. I don't have anyone named Susie, so that's that's cool. Okay, so Susie goes on the meeting and she gets the agreement signed. Yep. The ISA will call and say, hey, congratulations. We're so excited to be working with you. You know, I know Susie's getting your search set up and blah, 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 blah. And just wanted to thank you for your business. Uh, Anything you want to share with me from your meeting, right? They'll give an opening in case there's some doubt that they're having, buyer's remorse. You know, they have buyer's remorse sometimes with their agent too, selection. Like, oh, I don't know. Maybe there's a misunderstanding or something that wasn't shared that we haven't shared. Or she's too young or whatever, yeah. Yeah, actually, we want someone who has kids who've gone through the school district, whatever it right, is. Right. Right. That's, that's one scenario. The other scenario is they didn't sign with Susie. So then we need to know, what do we need to do to earn your business? You know, was there some concern that you had or something that you felt that Susie couldn't do for you that was important to you? So right. Susie is showing them the house and then she's trying to get them to sign a buyer broker agreement. Is that what's happening? So in our process, uh, we always try and get them to sit down before we show them houses and we go through their needs. We help them under, we have a three-part process with a buyer, okay? So the first step is the needs analysis, which there's nothing that irritates me more. I'm very opinionated. I don't know if you can tell. (laughs) Um, Nothing that irritates me more than when people sit down to do a presentation to sell someone on using them without understanding what's important to the buyer first. Right. So the way we talk about it is first it's the needs analysis, then you shift into talking about the process, which we do have a presentation for that, but we go through everything they're going to need to know about financing, about the homes that they're looking at, etc. And then this is a game changer. We do something that we call a reality check analysis. So mm-hmm. have you heard have you ever heard um, anyone talk about this before? A reality check analysis. No. Okay, so another pet peeve of mine is when real estate agents grab their buyer and go jump in the car and they go looking for a house, right? Yep. Sometimes they know from what the buyer told them 
that what the buyer is looking for does not exist in the world, right? Okay. But instead of just telling the buyer that, if you tell them that, sometimes you hurt the relationship, right? So okay. our process of the reality check is when we show them, okay, based on your criteria, let's take a look at the sales from the last three months and let's evaluate what you would have actually bought. Okay. And when we do that process with them, if they would have bought nothing, it tells us we need to make some adjustments to their criteria. As a member of the Rockstar Nation, you may have noticed that every guest that comes on the show now is required to bring with them a free tool, an item of utility that real estate agents can use to drastically increase their sales and profits. Some of the things that have been brought have been ebooks, forms, reports, negotiating techniques, hiring guides, postcards, checklists, open house secrets, newsletters that are sent out, sphere of influence forms, referral request forms, and the list goes on and on. If you would like to get this free toolbox full of items of utility, simply go to hybendigital.com backslash toolbox. That's hybendigital.com backslash toolbox or simply text toolbox to 444-999. That's toolbox to 444-999. So what we'll do, it's a pie chart that we show them and it has price, location, the features of the house, the type of house. So if they want a condo versus a single family, that kind of thing. So we'll show them that chart and we'll say, okay, you know, we haven't found anything that sold in the last 90 days and we understand that you want to make a, a selection of a house in the next 90 days. So we need to make some adjustments to make sure that we find properties that you would have actually bought. So we'll walk them through that whole thing instead of taking them out in the car and having them say, nope, this kitchen's ugly. I wouldn't buy that. I wouldn't buy that. I wouldn't buy that. Well, they might have bought the first house if they understood the market better. Right, and right. Agents are just afraid to tell them. Well, we show them on the screen the day we meet, and then that's how we develop the next steps in their process. I love that. I love that. That's awesome. It works and really well. Yeah, that's cool. Okay. Yeah, that, that all really good stuff. I love it. I love it. Okay. So now let's go through the process of a listing lead. Sure. Okay. The listing side is very similar um, in that the inside sales team knows, okay, the background of each listing agent, the price points that they tend to succeed in, all of the details about them. They is that all, like written down somewhere or is that is that they just know it? They just No, no, they know it very well. The people who are booking our appointments are leaders on our team, right? So they know who is going to relate with a $3 million seller. And they know, okay, McLean is an area where Bridget grew up. So Let's put Bridget in McLean, that kind of thing. And they also have the person's calendars right there in front of them. So a lot of how you're booked appointments on our team is based on your availability. And what calendar system do you use? You just use Gmail and it's stacked. So, you know, they have 15 agent schedules stacked on top of each other. And if they're looking for an opening, the ISAs are going in and saying, oh, it works for you. And they're only looking at the listing agents and then figuring out the right. And they show... All the, so all, all of your 12 agents are all stacked on there at once. 
And this is awesome. And then they can just see where the gap is and say, 10 o'clock, you know, Bridget can show that. Or Bridget yep. can meet you, whatever. Right, exactly. And on our team, I call it a jump ball when on the list side or the buy side, when they have a crisis and they can't find anyone to take an appointment and they send it out and I hate jump balls, right? Because it means yeah. let's go ahead and take a risk on this. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I think yeah. most agents do jump balls. You know, a lot of them do jump balls, you know, they do. I hate yeah. jump balls. Some people run their whole business on jump balls. I know. I yeah. know. It's, it's amazing to me that it actually works. And you think about how many appointments they're giving up and leads that they're not converting. Right. Absolutely. Okay. So then what happens next? So they schedule it, then what? They schedule it. Then the listing agent, just like the buyer's agent, is not to call and confirm the appointment. Wow. The appointment is confirmed for them. They have it in their calendar. There's notes in there. There's questions that the inside sales agent will ask. So I'll give you a few examples. They'll ask what the seller believes their property is worth, which I'm sure a lot of people try and ask that question. And then, yeah, the sure. says, hey, you're the expert. That's why I'm asking. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, and we say, you know, there's, there's such a range. And because we don't know much about your home, we want to make sure that we're pulling comps to show you the most relevant information. What's the range that you're thinking? Right, because we want to get them to a range. And then once we know what they're thinking, at least we know what we're walking into. Um, we ask them about updates that they've done, bedrooms, bathrooms, square footage, just general details about the house. Um, in some areas, I have a lot of friends that do business in Texas, for example. They know the exact floor plan of the house before they walk in, and so the pricing conversation is very easy. In our area, that's not the case. The houses are dramatically different. So you have a huge variation based on if there was a bump out or, and the tax records are, are fairly inaccurate. So the more right. information we get up front, the more successful the listing agent is going to be. Now there's two, two processes for the listing team. One is a one-step and one is a two-step. Okay. So if they're doing a one-step, they're going to take them through the pricing conversation and work to get them to sign right away. If they get there and there's some indication that they're not going to be able to close them that day, oh, we're meeting our neighbor who's been a friend for 20 years tomorrow and right. blah, blah, blah. We will not present pricing and we will not present commission. Okay. So let's slow this down. Okay. So the one-step and the two-step is not decided ahead of time guys so it's not like you know we've had agents that come on that do the the two-step where they say i'm going to come out and tour the house and then I'm, on the second time i'm going to bring back the price and the comps and stuff it basically the agent shows up talks to the seller has no clue whether they're going to do a one-step or two-step then confirms that they're essentially the last agent right or what have you and once that is confirmed then they close them on price and commission if that is not confirmed then they're like great i'm gonna withhold this and pretend like i planned this all along is that right yeah now once in a while they won't have enough information to be prepared for a one step so they may know going in you know what i i can't tell the square footage looks like there was a bump out when i'm looking at google maps the square footage isn't reflecting a bump out I don't know if they updated the kitchen, they, whatever information they need to get accurate pricing, they might not have. I don't tell them to not close if they don't have a price, by the way. So sometimes we close for commitment 
and ask them to sign before we present pricing. Okay. Which is hard to do, but yeah, it can be done, obviously. And I guess it's easier for the listing agent just to always do two steps then. Well, I don't think so. So I believe that if you have a seller that's motivated, if you sit down with me and you try and two-step me, I'm going to like the person who one-steps me and go with them because I don't want you to waste my time. Yep. You have to understand the personality traits of the clients that you're dealing with and understand how they want to do business. With me, I want maximum results, minimum time. I'm a high, high D, right? I know you haven't figured that out yet, Pat. So so does the the listing agent always have pretty much, to some degree, the mark analysis prepared? And who does that? Does the listing agent do that or does the staff person do that? So we've had, we've done both in the past. Now we have the listing agent doing it because what we found uh, when we have someone doing it on the staff, then the listing agent isn't as prepared and they don't feel as comfortable with the price recommendation. So they can't, they're more likely to want to do a two-step than if they did it themselves and it takes less time that way. Okay. Okay. Obviously, I know this is a rhetorical question, but tell me about how you and or how the ISAs are tracking closing ratios and follow-up after the appointment. Yeah, so we track everything. Um, We have a report for everything. And a shift that we've made from a cultural perspective in the last year, at our six-month retreat last year, we started publishing the numbers. At first, there were some tears, no joke, like people who were like, man, I can't believe I'm on the bottom of this. Like, it's mean for you to like tell what? everybody. The bottom of what? Like houses sold, commissions earned, close ratios? Yeah, close ratios. Like, as an example, we track from the, uh, the showed appointment. So we track showed appointments versus no shows, right? Mm, showed yeah. appointment to a signed buyer agreement, we track very closely. To a signed listing agreement, we track. Nice. So you would have some people who, once we started publishing the numbers, obviously were not doing a good job closing for the buyer agreement. They had decided it wasn't that important. Or Yes. So those are the people who have a little lower Ds, right, that aren't quite comfortable with closing. So they're like, oh, I'll just be really nice and show them houses and then they'll work with me. That doesn't work for me. I view that as an invitation for any agent who is a better closer to take them at any time in the process because you just don't have a commitment. You're basically somebody's buddy that's showing them houses until you have a signed agreement. Wow. Yeah. So, and we train our agents on how to have the conversations to get people who are working loosely with an agent to work with us. So we experience that firsthand in our training of how we get commitment from people. So I don't want that to be used against my team, right? So we track all of that. And how often do you publish these things? Every week. And, and where are they published? Like, in is, our, is it like a huge television set where everybody could see it or is it private? Oh, it's a huge television set <laughs> where I want everybody to see it. And we talk about it and we do leaderboards. So each department, the inside sales department, our outside sales, our listing team, they're all competing with each other in various categories, even down to the number of live dials they have per week. So the inside sales agents are tracked too. Everybody's tracked. Everybody's tracked. I love that. I just finished reading Traction by Gina Wickman. And uh, I don't know if you've read that book, but it's an awesome book. And that's one of, he has a whole chapter on that. And, he, and one of the most brilliant things I got that book is like, every employee has to have a number. 
you know, the goal number, whatever. If your ISAs have a, you know, goal of, of, of X and your agents have a goal of X and your listing agents have a goal of X and the, even the receptionist has a goal of like the number of rings the phone takes before she picks it up, you know, so her number would be two. And two would be yeah. the, the maximum, you know, and everyone has a number on the team. And when they get together with the meeting, everyone knows they have to say their number first. Yeah. I thought that was brilliant. I was like, I wow. think that is brilliant. Yeah. And I haven't read that book, but I actually downloaded the audible. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's on my list. It's classic. His father's actually Floyd Wickman, who created a program called Sweat Hogs, which is a, a real estate agent. Uh, he trained real estate agents his whole life. So he's. He's got some references to real estate in the, in the book, which is kind of cool. cool. Yeah. Very um, cool. Well, listen, th this has been awesome, Carrie. I mean, you've, you have basically created something brilliant there, and I think a lot of people have so much to learn. If anybody listening should probably listen to this three or four times if you're looking at building an efficient and profitable team, and you can clearly say, see that her team is profitable and efficient. I'm going to put all of Carrie's information on hybendigital.com backslash Carrie Scholl. S-H-U-L-L. And I have to warn everybody out there because you can't see my belly. I'm about a, a 12 days from having a baby. Oh, wow. So I could never tell. Yeah. <laughs> so awesome. if I don't respond to you right away, I'm always interested in collaborating with agents around the country and would love to reach out. It just might take me a little longer than usual over the next few weeks. Yeah, just reach out to her and, and after when you by the time this comes out, she'll have had the baby. So just reach out to her and say congratulations and ask her how everything is. So it's K E R I S H U L L hybendigital.com back to us Carrie Show and uh Carrie, you said as a free gift that we can put in our toolbox for the Real Estate Rockstar Nation is a relocation guide. Tell me about that real quick. Sure. So one of the things we had a client this year who said, um, very extremely high D client, okay, um, on Trump's administration, she, she called me personally and said, where's your relocation guide? And I went, I don't have one, right? <laughs> so I hired a content writer and we whipped one up and had it to her in like 48 hours. Wow. But I, and she loved it. Like it, it went over very, very well. And so what I learned from that is there's no reason that everyone in the country shouldn't have one ready because we all deal with people who are relocating to the area and it covers everything from how to get your car um, registered in the DC area to what restaurants you should go to. And it's some of it's very personal. So it's just a great system for people to duplicate out there that want something to give to their clients to make them feel extra special and taken care of. That's awesome. And what would that cost you? You remember? To have the content writer do it? Yeah, to have it done, yeah. A couple thousand bucks probably, huh? No, uh-uh. It wasn't that bad. Yeah, okay. Well, anyways, guys, don't pay money to have this done. Just take this, what she's offering, and, and kind of uh, emulate it in your neck of the woods and uh, save a lot of time and money. And I'm yeah. going to put that in her show notes, and I'll also put it in the toolbox. Carrie, best of luck with the birth of your new child, and uh, I look forward to meeting you face-to-face -face in the future. Sounds good, Pat. Thanks so much. Thank you for tuning in to Real Estate Rockstars. Please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you may be listening. If you haven't already, please give us a review. I don't care whether it's a one-star review or a five-star review. We eat feedback for breakfast, and we need your reviews. Also, the more reviews we get, 
the better our guests become. Thanks again for listening and find me on social media simply by typing in my name. I'm Pat Hyben and keep rocking. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.